This episode of this podcast is making me thirsty is brought to you by Play Now Playground Equipment. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty, the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at This Thirsty. Follow us on Instagram at This Thirsty. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. This podcast is making me thirsty. Join our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Seinfeld podcast. Bonus episodes up there. Our first 16 episodes are up there. All kinds of good stuff. Join now, folks. Go to our website, SeinfeldPodcast.com. Our rankings are there. All of our episodes are there. Lots of good stuff. Email us at this podcast is making me thirsty at gmail.com. If you dig it, please pass it on. Thank you for listening. Please enjoy. This podcast is making me thirsty. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty. The number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This is episode 141. You know, today's guests from Spaceballs, number three, Normandy Lane, Cheers, Sports Night, Desperate Housewives, Supergirl, Curb Your Enthusiasm, 13 Reasons Why. And of course, she played Sue Ellen Mischke in four Seinfeld episodes. Please welcome Brenda Strong. Brenda, thanks for joining. Oh, it's my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Sorry it took so long for me to get here. Nah, all good. You are worth the wait. I, I kind of feel like Jerry in the bottle deposit when he says uh, hi to Sue Ellen. I'm like, hi, Brenda. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's such a treat to have you here. Obviously, Sue Ellen Mischke, I mean, what a role. I mean, so take us back. It's been 26 years, believe it or not, since mm. the caddy. Yeah. Aired on NBC. So January of 96. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about, you know, was there an audition process? How'd the role come about for you for, for Sue Ellen? You know, it's interesting because um, Seinfeld had been going on for quite some time before Sue Ellen arrived. So there were several years of these incredible episodes. And my management at the time um, kept getting calls for me to go in on certain roles. And they said, because the show is so special, we really want whatever you go in on to be an outstanding role, like something that people will remember, because this is a water cooler show. Everybody in the industry watches it. And so we want to really make sure you stand out. <laughs> so long story short, I got the audition for Sue Ellen. And of course, you know, when you hear this person is the brawless wonder, you start to have uh, uh, some some hesitation on how it's going to be presented. So during the audition, uh, I did go in an audition and uh, I wore my favorite jacket with kind of a sexy styled top underneath. And um, and after I auditioned, um, they said, do you have any questions? And I said, so um can you just kind of give me an idea of what the tone of this is going to be? Because obviously, you know, I just want to make sure that I represent myself well and that, and, and both Jerry and, and Larry said, Oh no, no, no. This woman is an heiress. She is all class. There is no gratuitousness about this. This is all about her having a one-up 
on Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And I said, great. And I said, by the way, how tall is she? Because, you know, you guys haven't met me in person, but I'm nearly six feet tall. And I said, does she come up to about like here? And you should have seen their eyes because their eyes got really big and they realized the visual gag of having Julia breast height for Sue Ellen was just too much to miss. So I think that kind of sealed the deal uh, for that first episode. And you know, it's exactly right. We're watching it again yesterday, all four of your episodes. Every time you are talking to Julia lined up, it's that it's that gag of of you like towering over her. Um, especially the high school scene, which I we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but I but I love that scene when she first kind of talks about you and, and brings you up at the at the at the high school or college party it was, and, and you're you know, it's 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 a few years later and uh and, and you come walking by and kind of take take the boy from her. That's a fun little scene of kind of a flashback from you know into the 70s style, which which you know, I don't know, Brawless Wonder, that was kind of the 70s style right back then i mean that kind of fits the liberation right everyone is burning their bras and sue ellen was right there with uh with all of the other women doing it but i think the thing that was so funny about that flashback because it was a flashback to the 1970s mid 1970s and both julie and i being about the same age all of a sudden when we had to try in these 1970s clothes we both got so much angst from having to try on these clothes that didn't fit either one of our bodies well. Like she felt like she was kind of shorter and and a little heavier. Obviously, she's not heavy at all. Um, But in her mind, she felt like she was heavier in high school and didn't like the style of the jeans. And I conversely hated high waters. And so we both came out of that costume fitting for that particular scene, really upset. And then we looked at each other and went, oh, we're just like being thrown back to our teenage years where we had body dysmorphia and hated ourselves. So it was, it was pretty funny, but yeah, that set the tone. I stole her boyfriend because I wasn't wearing a bra and then the vendetta lasted. Yeah. So the first time we meet Sue Ellen is on the street, right? Uh-huh. Um, you're, you're walking down the street in that, in that sweater. And re- I read that, that Larry David kind of, did he kind of handpick that sweater? Like oh, how yeah. that he did. Yeah, no, Larry, Larry literally had his fingerprints. I don't mean to put it that way. <laughs> was bad, a bad choice of physical action. Um, his fingerprints on on everything that happened on that show, including costuming. And I think it was really important to him, based on our conversation, that the sweater be tasteful and not too see-through or too clingy. He wanted it to be something that looked like somebody would be wearing down the street, but it was just the movement that caught her eye kind of thing. And we had gone through sweater after sweater after sweater in the wardrobe fitting Mm -hmm. and Larry had to get back to set. And so there was one more, it was a cable knit sweater, that blue one, bluish gray that you see in the show that the customer put on me. And I said, Larry, I'll walk with you. So, cause I wanted to wear that sweater. I like that sweater. So he used to ride his bicycle to and from, the stages to the set of the New York street set. And so I decided it would be great if I just walked backwards because then he could ride his bike and I wouldn't deter him from getting to set on time. So I'm kind of walking backwards and his bicycle was just wobbling to and from. And he finally said, it's fine. It's fine. You know, that's the one. (laughs) 
So that's how that sweater was chosen. Oh man. And then what a great, I mean, that's just a great scene. Like you said, the sweater fits perfect. The, um, you know, later on you're wearing the sweater in the courtroom scene in the same episode. Um, Different sweater all- though. Yeah, different sweater, a sweater, and then, you know, the whole does it fit, the, the playoff, right. the OJ trial. Um, you know, we talked to the writers of that episode, Greg Cavett and Andy Robb, and it sounded like Jerry and Larry were like kind of infatuated with the OJ trial as much of us were at the time. Um, you know, that was an awesome scene, too, with Jerry. You know, I love her free spirit or free will in spirit. He's on the stand and everything, and you got, you know, Jackie Childs there. Um, you know, that just seemed like a lot of fun just to kind of just to kind of play off that with, um, you know, working with Jerry. Jerry was very um, uh, not childlike, but playful in this episode. You know, when, when you go to Kramer's apartment, he gets, you know, lets you inside. He's all excited. You, know, you can wait with me. And then in the courtroom scene, just kind of talk about working with Jerry from, from an acting standpoint and kind of those scenes you're in with him and what that was kind of like, uh, you know, outside of him kind of also running the show with Larry, but just like just acting with Jerry in, in some of those scenes. You know, I I have to say overall, and obviously Jerry being number one on the call sheet set the tone for everyone else. Um, They were the hardest working comedic actors I've ever worked with. And a lot of it was they just took their jobs very seriously. They wanted the show to be good. They weren't resting on their laurels. The writing had to be, you know, just so. And they were constantly looking for the funny. And I think the thing that I really admired about Jerry is, you know, it's it's hard being a showrunner. And obviously, you know, um, Larry took a lot of that burden on himself in the writer's room. But Jerry was very involved with all of that. And um, and I do think there was a, a childlike essence about him in that scene in particular. I'm glad you picked up on that because it was like he was on the stand and he realized he couldn't lie. So he just had to go, I love, I love the way she's, you know, just free and, and out there. And, and, and the fact that it just kind of bubbled out of him in that childlike little boy way of confessing, you know, was so great. Uh, Cause he wanted to also do right by his friend, but he couldn't lie. And, right. uh, and the writers really kind of rode that thin line between parody and um, truth telling and the fact that it's ridiculous that I'm trying on this bra and expecting it to fit just as ridiculous as it was that OJ should try on a glove and expect it to fit under those circumstances. I mean, it was pointing out the irony and the, the kind of the ludicrousness of the court system and at the same time making a meal out of the relationships. And so I just thought it was a brilliant episode and I was so happy to be a part of it. And then to be brought back, you know, in later episode, the bottle deposit, I mean, the whole JFK one-upmanship of trying to. Yeah. Well, I mean, Brenda, when did you, when did you know, right? Did you know right away, like when you first auditioned, you were going to have multiple parts or was it. No, it was was a single, single guest star. I mean, I think that's the beauty of, being a guest star is you go in, you do your best and you release it. You know, you just, you, you, you think whatever is going to happen happens. Sometimes in advance, they, they book you for a recurring because they already know this is how we're going to develop this storyline. Um, I was also doing party of five at the same time. So I knew I had six episodes of party of five. So I knew I could develop this character over time. So and I just came in for a one-off. And I think because they love the dynamic so much and, and the fact that nobody got one up on, on Elaine ever. And Sue Ellen did. 
it just added a whole nother color for Julia to play with her character. Cause you know, she's really savvy and really smart and is always, you know, coming back and landing on her feet. And Sue Ellen just put her off. So yeah, that's that a, that's a great point. You were, you were to Elaine sort of like what Newman was to Jerry, like that, that nemesis, right? Yes. Yeah. And you know, what's yeah. funny is in the show, they actually say, oh, she's your Lex Luthor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. They call Sue Ellen Elaine's Lex Luthor. And then I go on, cut to 15 years later, I'm playing Lillian Luther. <laughs> on Super yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's almost like the universe is just making a joke. I mean, it's just like, let's give you this because this, this makes makes. Better. So it's funny. You, me you mentioned, um, obviously, they brought you back and you were considered. And I just just doing some research on you. I was just curious. The um, the chaperone episode with the Miss America knowing that you were Miss Arizona, I always mm -hmm. wondered if, if they thought you were going to be in that episode as kind of uh, the contestants, if you remember that episode. Um, I, I wasn't up for that episode, so I, I don't really, it wasn't in my, my memory bank. I do know that we didn't want to be one of Jerry's girlfriends. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, listen, oh, they got yeah. it. They Hirschfeld, he gets it right. Yeah. And boy, yeah. yeah, being the nemesis was, yeah. was great. Yeah. Yeah. Mark was really gifted and um, and Mark Hirschfeld at casting. And l luckily, my my managers kind of just had their finger on the pulse of the characters as they were coming up and were thinking, OK, let's go for this one. And the fact that I ended up getting it was a miracle because I, you know, there were some comedic geniuses that I auditioned against. Um, I think Wendy Malick might have auditioned for that role as well. And she would have been amazing. Um, and went on to a very strong comedic career um, after that. So, you know, that show was was really known more than anything for having guest stars on that went on to have these incredible careers yeah. um, because we we're all young. You know, I was I was a new mom at the time. And I remember one of the things that I loved um, about being the braless wonder is I was nursing my son. Um, during that time, I, I actually asked Larry, I said, I know this is going to sound weird, but um, what size would you like? <laughs> because I can actually control that, you know, because I'm nursing. If, if you want my breasts to be bigger for this particular episode, I can, I can do that. And then he was like, they're fine. <laughs> they're fine. <laughs> um, and then the irony is, as the episodes went on, I was weaning my son. So my breasts completely disappeared. So the braless wonder started wearing more and more clothes. Um, you'll notice by the, the last episode, I had the coat on and all sorts of things because the gag was gone. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's, that's a really great story. The, um, the, the, the bottle deposit too, that was a, that was an hour long um, episode, a lot, lot going on there. You mentioned the clubs and everything like that. And it really does show that's probably the highlight of your, that nemesis you were talking about with Elaine, just kind of the class that you were talking about earlier too, that, that, that character had, you were, you know, mm -hmm. so classy with the, uh, you know, with the, the thing at the um, auction, mm -hmm. but um, at this point now you're back for your second, your second um, episode. Um, 
how was it with the rest of the crew, right? Most of your scenes were with Jerry and Julia, but um curious at this point now you're on for maybe if you want to talk about the next two episodes as well, but just kind of, you know, the camaraderie camaraderie of that set. We've heard a lot about how welcoming um, both Michael Richards and uh, Jason Alexander are. Um, I know a lot of your scenes weren't with them, but I'm sure you had some, some, uh, some stories or at least some interactions with them on and off set. Uh, maybe you could touch on a little bit of those two guys as well. Cause I know you weren't Absolutely. in many scenes with them, but yeah. Well, um, interestingly enough, when I came on as a guest star of the first episode, I had already worked with John O'Hurley and John was in that episode. So John and I had done a series together, a short lived series uh, from Warner, Warner Brothers called Scorch, where we were these kind of egocentrical um, newscasters. And with the he, dragon. The dragon. Yes, with the dragon. Yeah. Exactly. The talking <laughs> dragon, the puppet. Yeah. So we already had a shorthand. And so he basically said to everybody, she's great. You need to welcome her. And of course, everyone loved John. And so the red carpet just rolled out for me as well. And so I felt immediately at home. And Jason um, leaned down and kind of touched my script and said, you brave, brave woman, <laughs> you know, um, and, <laughs> and ended up writing that very same thing on my script. So I have a signed autograph copy with all of their signatures on it. And they were all very kind. Um, Michael was hysterical. And Michael and I ended up, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I also was a yoga teacher at the time and I had yes. my own yoga studio, but Michael and I used to practice at the same studio. So we would see each other occasionally in yoga class. And after I had done Seinfeld, he had his own show, the Michael Richard show, and he brought me on to guest star on that. So they were very generous with me. And uh, later on, I ended up uh, working with Jason uh, during a charity fundraiser in New York for my, my, uh, charity that I was the national spokesperson of for the American Fertility Association. And he came on to um, receive an award from the association. He and his wife had some fertility struggles before they had children. And, um, and so we were able to reconnect at that time. And he had made it very public that he went through that with his wife. So um, I don't feel bad sharing it. Um, I think the more people we talk about who have had difficulty take the onus off of others of, of kind of the, the difficulty of it. Um, but they were w wonderful and welcoming and uh, supportive. And again, going back to, they just wanted it to be good. They just wanted it to be funny. And so if you were in the soup with them, you were a player, you know, they appreciated you. Right. So that so season seven, that's when you you joined. And we all know that was Larry's last year on Seinfeld. And we'll kind of we'll skip back and forth here. But your appearance on Curb with Larry, I mean, really memorable as well. What did what did you take from front of the, the we're talking a little bit about the Curb experience. I mean, you kind of were all over that show, obviously dating Larry uh, as the nurse, I mean, doctor, you made him wait, you know, in the doctor, waiting room. Doctor, Flum, yeah. doctor, doctor, sorry, doctor. <laughs> I got so space good. balls on my mind. So good. Like Chris said, you, everything is like you're a doctor, even on the date yeah. at your house. And <laughs> I've got the tank, you know, the aquarium tank in, in my living room, my right. is checking him in, you know, I've got a, one of those huge scales in my bedroom, you know, um, <laughs> But, but that's the genius of Larry. You know, he takes something very normal and he points out how ridiculous it is and how, you know, we just assume these things are okay. And then he goes, no, wait a minute, this is weird. 
like people take their jobs really seriously and how are they at home and can we explore that? And he's a, you know, hypochondriac in, in curb. And so how can you take that into the dating experience and where is the line too far when you want advice, but you are also dating the person, you know? So um, I think his genius is finding the, the, a deeper dive into what's normal for all of us and going, this is kind of crazy. You know, this is ridiculous. And then we get to laugh at ourselves because then we see ourselves in our own neuroses and all of that. Yeah. And you're, you know, four episodes you were in of Seinfeld, which there aren't any, besides the parents who we kind of consider almost main characters and Susan, who is George's fiance, you were the most uh, episodes for a female, uh, we believe. Uh, So that's, that's an interesting, you know, they, they they saw enough in that character, like you said, to kind of have that, that, that arc very, you know, and then by the end, you're friends with Elaine and she's your maid of honor, you know, at the betrayal, which is, uh, (laughs) which is something else too, right? The whole backwards episode, episode. such a memorable episode. that that yeah, that must have been something, a trip to, to, to shoot. Was it shot? Is any different for you as an actress, the way that was shot or that's all editing or, or you know, what was the experience like shooting that backwards one? Um, it was all editing from what I recall. I don't know if we, that's such a good question. I don't know if we started at the back and went to the front, if that's how the script read mm. or if they just edited it out of order. Either way, it was a genius idea in my opinion. And um, that episode uh, in particular, God, I, you know, you learn so much by watching people work. And I watched Julia uh, walk up to the area where we were getting married and all the pillows were on the ground. And instead of just sitting on the pillow, she made a meal out of falling off the pillow, trying to sit on the pillow, not being able to be comfortable. And I thought this is, this is why she gets the big bucks. You know, she really, she looks for the opportunity. How can I make something out of this? Is there a funny here? And it wasn't in the script, you know, that was just behavior that she was deciding to, to have. And so, um, that episode was particularly fun because we got to wear the saris and, you know, the bindis. And I, I have, I have great pictures on my phone of us backstage looking very stoic, standing side by side <laughs> in our saris. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was the most elaborate of any Seinfeld episode, I think, with, with the costumes, like you just mentioned, and all, all the costumes and so many extras. Elements. And yeah, it was just it was, yeah, it was I mean, wild. So that wasn't shot in front of the audience, I'm guessing, most of that, or, or was it? Some of it was, some and of some it was, of it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Some of it was, and some of it wasn't. Um, I remember being kind of in the alleyway between the stages um at one point for it um, so so that episode that was season nine and and the the um abstinence which we 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 sort of i don't think we've been touched on yet but your, your third episode was season eight um as chris mentioned you know larry left after seven so you were there for two episodes with larry two episodes without larry um any difference that you could tell on set we've talked to a lot of a lot of different um you know crew cast writers and you know it sounds like jerry had some other writers to kind of lean on for that show running role because he had so much going on without larry there um obviously andy ackerman is still directing so there's still that but um you know was there a difference that you could tell that was that was you know 
on set without Larry there kind of running the show. Like what, what did you take out of that? Just being there for what have you heard? <laughs> we've heard, we've actually heard there's, there was, you know, uh, maybe two different camps that sort of helped out Jerry in that respect, the, the old guard, like Peter Melman or, or even Andy Robin and the, those types. And then um, kind of the newer writers that had come on later, like, um, Mandel or um, Alec Berg, um, these types were, were kind of helping out Jerry in that producing role. Yeah, you know, being the, uh, well, like any good parents, you tend to hide uh, any disagreements from your children. Um, and I think ultimately they had a united front in front of all of us who weren't regulars. I think if you talk to people who were kind of more there on a regular basis, they may have a different point of view. But as far as my work goes, my work wasn't affected at all by the change, except for the fact that Larry has a special, I mean, Larry really uh, had his, his hands on the tone. Even, um, even in the first episode, uh, that comment when Elaine says, Suellen, you know, it's not a top, it's a bra. And I just say the words, I know, Larry really, because I was, I was like, I know, you know, and he's like, no, 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 simpler, simpler, just, I know, just clean. And so, you know, I think if anything, maybe it was just that he had a particular vision for what he thought would be good. And he held true to that. And then when different voices come in, different writers come in, you know, their particular take on what's funny may be a little broader, a little less broad, or a little more um, joke oriented rather than life uh, circumstance oriented. So, you know, I, I go with the flow. That's one of the things I've learned in my life is show up, do the best work you can. Don't make a mess. Um, you know, take care of the people around you, make them look good and walk away without any drama <laughs> you know that's that's like my <laughs> mo and so i try not to create drama unless it's being called for in front of the camera i don't try to create any behind the scenes um and i think that leads to a long and and very fruitful career and i've been blessed by that um and obviously julia and uh uh mandel ended up for me veep and what yeah. an amazing legacy Incredible. they left for us yeah, yeah. i mean that was a brilliant show so clearly you know funny is funny and it just depends on on whose particular taste buds you're appealing yeah to. well and speaking okay. of show speaking of shows you mentioned this guest stars kind of uh, it was a, Seinfeld was kind of a launch pad for them. And you had that one scene with Bob Odenkirk, if you remember. Yes. Um, Bob. Shouldn't, he, should, shouldn't he elevate his legs? I mean, that's that's always what I remember from that episode. Is, exactly. Is it's like, well, if you're a doctor. Why aren't you doing something? <laughs> and Bob and I, um, this is so funny because Bob and I not only did that little brief interstitial scene together, but we ended up auditioning for commercials together. And we kind of came up through the ranks together. And I had gone to Austin. I was living in Dallas doing um, Ann Ewing. I was playing Ann Ewing for the new reboot of the, the series Dallas. And so um, I went down to Austin for the TV festival at the time. And he was, by that time, he was on Breaking Bad. And I was old friends with Brian Cranston not from Seinfeld, but from, from life. I mean, I had, um, he had been my son's baseball coach 
and uh, had gone on and we had done Malcolm in the Middle. I had done a guest on that. He and I did, did J.C. Penney's commercials, a Christmas commercial where he played this bad Santa. And uh, we just had a long history where we really, really appreciated and adored each other. So um, so when I, I saw Bob, I was like, oh, hey, it's you. Hi. You know, and we ended up sitting next to each other. Um, and Giancarlo Esposito was doing a reading of a new play that the creator of uh, Better Call Saul and, and Breaking Bad was, was doing a reading of. And so um, it was just, it's so nice, I think, as actors coming up through the ranks to see everybody kind of hit their successes and just cheer each other on. You know, I think people think this, this industry is so cutthroat and, um, people are jealous. I'm always so thrilled when someone succeeds because it means by the grace of God, there go I, you know, my feeling is I, there's enough for everybody. And, uh, and I was really happy to see someone as nice as Bob have the success that he's having. For sure. And I think that uh, that's the spirit of Seinfeld. And I think that's why the show was so great is that they let, they let guest stars shine, right? Like, that's why we're, we're talking to you. I mean, people remember you. So I'm just, I'm always, we're always curious when we talk to guest stars, were you, cause you came in season seven, mm-hmm. were you a big fan of the show? Were you oh, yeah. watching it like consistently? Oh yeah. What, yeah. Always just, what are some of your favorite episodes that you always kind of leaned in towards or would never turn off when it, uh, well, you know, there's the classic soup Nazi, you know, right. soup for you. There's the, the man hands, that one was always, you know, uh, it's just like the, the particular, um, the the one where uh, Jason is eating, trying to have eat and have sex at the same time. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, all the stuff with with the parents were hysterical. Um, I think, you know, just just turning it on and watching for a second, just watching Michael Richards enter a room was a lesson, you know, of how to make an entrance. I mean, that character, uh, nobody else could play it like he did. I mean, he was just, and he would practice it. Like backstage before we would make an entrance, I'd be seeing him like do do his thing and, you know, almost bump into walls and, you know, just, he he was so committed um, to, to making it funny and making it his. so those were just a few of the episodes that I, I remember, but it was obviously water cooler. I mean, everybody talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. Pinnacle. I mean, uh, yeah. obviously, um, Cutty, you know, you know, it's you know, speaking of that and, and it's, it was, it was also ahead of its time. Uh, I don't know if you know this, uh, but wearing a bra as a top is now like a new fashion trend. Like it's all over the place. And we see, we're seeing like articles written about it. We're, I, every time I turn the TV on, like oh, these are the new, the, you know, young, uh, you know, the hip girls are wearing, I mean, you set the entire trend. This is 30 years ago. It's incredible how it just comes yeah, full circle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it goes back to what goes around, comes around. It, it, it just, everything resurges um, in, in social media as well as as life you just see these cycles returning um i can't take credit for it because i didn't create it but um but yeah yeah it's interesting to see girls wearing bras as tops now and (laughs) and nobody seems to mind um it's interesting and who who knew larry david would set that trend look at that (laughs) larry knew larry Larry knew (laughs) yeah yeah uh 
I mean, you've worked on, I mean, from Cheers, obviously, it's all the work with Desperate Housewives, um, obviously Seinfeld, right? I mean, that voice, Mary Alice, Spaceballs. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, super, super, the Superman show. I mean, you've done uh, so much, but and Seinfeld's been 26, 25 years now. Is that still what you're most recognized for these days still? Or it depends. Has, it depends, depends on what kind of fan they are. So if they're a sci-fi fan, it's usually Star Trek, the 100, Spaceballs, or Starship Troopers. So it's all of those. If you're a comedy fan, it's obviously Seinfeld. Um, uh, late night soap, it's usually Dallas or Desperate Housewives. Um, sometimes it's so funny. <laughs> um, I'm getting my car repaired right now. I had a little bit of a, a fender bender and I had to do some body work. And, and I'm on the phone with the auto body guy. And he goes, you know, your car's going to be done really soon. I'm so sorry for the delay, but it's really nice to talk to you. <laughs> he said, I don't know if you know this, but you have a really soothing voice. And I went, huh? Yeah, I've heard that once or twice. <laughs> so, but it, you know, it's just, it's so funny because sometimes when I'm on the phone with like a MasterCard or one of those things, I have to be careful because I know that they can recognize my voice. I have to be careful to be really nice. Um, um, but yeah, it just depends on what kind of fan you are. If I'm in New York, absolutely, it's Seinfeld. I've had trucks, uh, fire trucks go by on the street and people yell Sue Ellen at me. <laughs> so um, Up in traffic New Yorkers still, have a particular fondness uh, for, for Seinfeld in their hearts. Yeah. Still stopping traffic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> before we were chatting about that space balls, you mentioned you might have a story for us. We're interested in kind of hearing uh, that background there. Oh, yeah. I've got a couple of things time. coming up, though, too. I want you oh, yeah, for sure, to for sure. For, um, but we'll we'll talk about that at the end. But the space balls was really funny because it was the first thing I ever did. And, you know, I was a huge Mel Brooks fan. I just thought he was a genius. And so to be able to have him be my very first director was kind of extraordinary. And um, my son was in fifth grade. And, you know, I, I don't bring my work home. I, I try to keep the two things separate. And he came home one day incredulous. And he goes, Mom. I'm like, what? He goes, were you in Spaceballs? And I'm like, because I'd never let him see it. And, and he's, I said, uh, yeah. He goes, oh, half the boys in my fifth grade class are in love with you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, sweetheart. <laughs> you know, I know that's embarrassing. I'm really sorry. Um, and what's funny is my, my husband now uh, remembers me as nurse Gretchen and uh, it's embarrassing. Um, but I ran into Mel Brooks years and years later. I was out to lunch with my agent in Beverly Hills, and um, I rarely go out in Beverly Hills. So this was an occasion for me. And uh, But she goes out all the time. And we were sitting there, and she goes, oh, Brenda, look at that. That's Mel Brooks. And I said, oh. I said, do you want to meet him? She goes, do you know him? I'm like, Ro, you're my agent of you know, several decades. How do you know, not know that I know <laughs> I said, come on. So I, I leaned down and he's in this, you know, group of men writers, just the who's who of writers in Hollywood. And I said, Mr. Brooks, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but um, 
I just want to say thank you because you gave me my first job in this in this industry and and I've had such a beautiful career and I'm so grateful to you and um, I just want to say thank you and he looks at me and he goes oh who are you <laughs> and I said um, I'm Brenda Strong I played Nurse Gretchen in uh, Spaceballs and he goes oh oh yeah yeah you were good. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that. I love that. Oh, that that is fantastic. I'll never forget seeing that movie Pro River New York. I sat on the floor because it was sold out. So wow. what, what a film. Yeah. yeah. And and he took me to lunch when we were filming with his wife, who I remember growing up wanting to be in the graduate. Um and, and I was like, pinch me. What am I doing here? I mean, this is amazing. Um, so, so it, it's interesting how, you know, these things kind of come full circle around. That is amazing. I mean, right. A girl from Oregon, like all of a sudden eating, eat, having lunch with Mel Brooks and Larry David. I mean, yeah, a, a blessed life for sure. So yeah, yeah. Brenda, what just... do you, so you, tell us a little bit about what you're up to now, what projects you're working on. I mean, the resume continues to grow, I see, but we'd love to hear kind of what, you, what you're up to these days. Well, aside from directing, which I started doing, number three, Normandy Lane, that you mentioned uh, at the beginning was my short film directorial debut. And that kind of led me, that springboarded me into directing two of the episodes for 13 Reasons Why in episode, uh, in season four, was uh, the, the um, hall shooter, the school shooter episode and the party episode. And those were huge kind of tentpole episodes. I was really thrilled to be able to do that. Um, and uh, during COVID, like you guys, I got creative. I, I wrote a novel um, that my husband and I are turning into a series. Uh, it will be one of several books that will turn into hopefully one of several seasons of, of television. We'll tell you more about that when it finally finds its home. Um, but most recently, um, I, last year I worked on something called 61st Street with, uh, that's on AMC um, with Courtney B. Vance. And I play kind of a badass prosecutor opposite his district attorney. Um, and that was really fun to shoot into in Chicago and to shoot kind of a, a really important um, social justice piece. Uh, and the writer of that is also the writer of Your Honor, which is the show that Brian Cranston is doing the second season of right now. So it, this is how these things get connected. Um, and then the last thing that I just finished um, this summer uh, was a new show for Hulu that Carrie Washington is producing under her banner, Simpson Street, and it's called Unprisoned. And I play her stepmother who raised her from like eight to 18 and uh, Delroy Lindo's uh, lady. So his, his uh, wife at that time. Um, and it's a comedy and uh, explores the nature of relationships and uh, family and all of that good stuff. And uh, I had a really good time with that character, much more along the lines of a Sue Ellen Mischke. This woman is really ballsy and uh, very, very comfortable with her body and um, doesn't mind making people uncomfortable. So <laughs> it was really, really right. fun to play her. Yeah. So you weren't Jackie Childs in uh, 61st Street. You were uh, the, the opposite, a, a tough, tough lawyer. 
Yeah, I was a really tough lawyer, Jackie Chan. <laughs> and it's funny, I, I was looking up some more. Your your current husband, I think, was he in The Brave? Yeah, yeah. So also in that in that show was Sean uh, Taub, who was Pinter in yes. The Betrayal. Yes. So it's to your point, it's just crazy how there's there's so many of these connections. Um, yeah. You stay in this all, business long enough, you you pretty much end up having six degrees with everybody or two yeah. for, for some. That's yeah. great. And I think just, you know, your uh, your passion for the business and your grace is just it, it really shines. I mean, I think that probably goes back to your your yoga days and just your willingness to give, I think, is incredible. So we, we couldn't be more happy that, that you joined us tonight. I'm, I'm just glad people still want to watch. I mean, quite honestly, sure. um, that for me, longevity. I remember as a young actress seeing Jessica Tandy accept the Academy Award for Driving Miss Daisy at 80-some years old. And I was in my 20s at the time, and I went, that's who I want to be. Like, I want that kind of longevity. I want that kind of career. Um, and, you know, that means sometimes it has ebbs and flows and you just kind of have to have a really good life so that in the in-between times when nobody really is interested in seeing you, you don't give up. You know, it's really important to have an interesting life to bring to all of these different people that you inhabit. So uh, that's what I try to tell my son because he's an actor now. Oh, that great. That little that little boy uh, that is I was he a there. Seinfeld fan. Did he get? Did he have the same oh reaction to Seinfeld as Spaceballs? Or? <laughs> nice. He binge watched it. He loved <laughs> it. Yeah, and he remembers hearing stories about me at lunch and feeding him, and then going back to work. So <laughs> he feels oh, that's very great. Good in the show. <laughs> yeah, that is that is fantastic. Well, Brenda, thanks so much. We we can't thank you again. Uh, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, look, looking so forward much. to the new Hulu show and everything else. Can't wait to see it. Thanks, guys. This is great. All right. Be well. 